Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph brings part two of his message entitled, Channels of Subversion. And now let's join Pastor Ralph for part two. Now we're going to go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 44. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And this talks about Satan's character and his tactics. Jesus is is arguing against some right-wing religious uptight people. And there was an interesting cover story in Time magazine a couple of weeks ago where they put a profile of the 25 leading uh, evangelicals in our country. People from, from Rick Warren to, to, you know, whoever is making a difference in our country in terms of, of, of powerful Christian leaders. And, and then the article talked about uh, President Bush being an evangelical, and then it said that these people were somehow instrumental in his reelection and went on and talked about that. Well, I was reading yesterday in this week's Time magazine the, the letters to the editor, and, and they put about 20 of them in there. Very interesting. Um, time makes an issue of Christianity. It always holds Christianity up to scrutiny. And, and every other letter was, was exactly opposite of each other. One letter would say, this is good that you give time and you give attention to this. These evangelical people mean good, and they're loving people, and they're good for our country. The next letter would go on, these people are right-wing screw-ups. There's something wrong with them. They want to dominate our country. They're going to take away separation of church and state. They're going to ruin America. They're a bunch of uptight, hard-nosed, mean people. Well, if that's what we are, then we deserve that criticism. If that's what we are, then we deserve the criticism that Jesus gives to people like that. And he says, you're children of your father, the devil. The Lord came and said, I've come to bring life. He said that we're called to love the Lord, but we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. And one of the things that's been going on a whole bunch, I told you about these guys that beat up Trevor. I want to see them come to justice. I'm praying for that. But every person that I've spoken to, and myself included, has prayed immediately. Lord, let them come to justice. But through justice, let them come to grace and let them know the love of the Lord and bring them into our church. There ought to be that kind of love going on behind whatever we're doing. And so these people attack Jesus, and basically they attack him because they say he was born out of wedlock, and they jump on him. He turns around and says, well, you're of your father the devil, verse 44. You're children of your father the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he has always hated the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Underline that last sentence. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In the margin of your Bible, write these words, Satan's character. What is Satan's character? Untruth. He's the liar and the father of lies. He's a murderer. Ultimately, the devil would like to destroy you through sickness through somebody's violent physical attack, but in many cases through suicide. He'd like to destroy you. He'd like to take you out. But his chief weapon always comes from his character. We always act out our character, and Satan is no different. And his character is that of 
a liar. And so he's going to always come at you with untruth. And you need to be able to sort out the truth. This is why we need to know the scripture. You know, you don't know the scripture so you can be a good religious person. You know the scripture so that you, you have the whole armor of God. The Bible talks in Ephesians, we'll get to it in a couple of weeks, about the Bible itself being the sword of the spirit, the word of the Lord, that I'm able when, when Satan comes to attack me to, to fight back with truth when untruth comes my way. And, and so we need to get used to him being a liar. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 3 and we're going to see him at work. We're almost done here, going much faster than I thought I was going to go today. Genesis 3, verse 1. Take a careful look at the picture that's on the screen. It's this very androgynous figure robed in black that you saw lurking around the, the edges of Jesus' life in the movie, The Passion of the Christ. To, to my mind, that's the best depiction of Satan as he appears in our lives that I can think of. You know, the, the book of Genesis describes him as a serpent, and, and you don't know quite what to make of that. The book of Revelation calls him a dragon, a serpent, a snake. And, and it, it seems to be saying it in sort of the way that we would call somebody else a snake. That snake of a person. But when you read it in Genesis, it looks more like uh, there's actually a serpent that becomes possessed of, the, of, of Satan. That Satan takes over this, this physical animal and somehow is able to speak to this woman. You're, you're, you're left with some question marks. But when I think of how Satan operates in the lives of people that I have to deal with, or in my own life, and the difficulties that come my way, then, then this figure that's on this picture behind me very much comes to, to my mind. Someone that can, is capable of taking on a human form or a human likeness. But it's, there's something wrong with it. It's not quite right. And it's always that way. Satan comes to lie to you. and, and It's very believable, but there's something not quite right about it. You know, I've had people that come and I think the Lord told me to do this. And, eh, but it's not, it doesn't measure up to this. There's something wrong here. It's always that way. There's, there's, there, there's something seductive about it. Look at that image. There's something about that image. You want to look again at that image on that picture on the screen. You want to, there's something you, you can't quite take in. And it's sort of like that with Satan. You, you can't quite take it in. You, you look and you want to look again. You're drawn to it and yet you're repulsed at the same time. This is the way the devil comes to us. He comes lurking around the edges of our life to whisper his lies into our heart. And we need to learn to stand against him. Well, how does he work? Well, classic example is the first time that you see him interfacing with humans in the scripture. It says, now the serpent was the shrewdest of all of the creatures the Lord God had made. He's clever. And he starts out by questioning God. Really, he asked the woman? Did God really say you must not eat any of the fruit in the garden? Of course we may eat it, the woman told him. It's only the fruit from the tree at the center of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God says we must not eat it or even touch it or we will die. You won't die, the serpent hissed. God knows that your eyes will be opened when you eat it. You'll become just like God. Underline those words, just like God. Because this is the center of every lie. 
You deserve this. You're special. You're different from all those. You're overworked. You're tired. Go ahead and take a hit on that pipe. You're stressed out. Your wife will never find out. This is, this is just a little thing in the office between you and her. You know, just go ahead and cheat a little bit in this bid that you're proposing here. It's okay. You deserve it. He, he, nothing will happen. You're special. This will pull you together. This will finally work in your life. You become just like God. He says, knowing everything, both good and evil. You know, the one thing God would like for you to not know is evil. And I look at my grandchildren right now, and they're so, they're so beautiful and so fun to be with, and so without guile. What you see is what you get. And I think about those years coming up that we call adolescence and how, how difficult those are and how, how, how in that process of, of, of going through puberty, you, you kind of also are introduced to, to, to ethical and moral issues and, and all this just kind of overwhelms you. And you're introduced to evil in ways that a child never is. And, and as, as, a, as a parent or a grandparent, it's our role to be with them and to, to stay friends with them. Even during that time when they're struggling and they've they got to mark themselves out. You know, kids 11, 10, 12, 13, 14 years old, they have to become different than their parents because they have to stand as independent adults. And we have to sponsor that difference. And my children, I always taught them, I want you to leave my house. I don't want you to stay here forever. You see, they think you, you're trying to hold on to them. But there's some things that I understand because I'm old that you don't understand because you're young. And I've got to help guide you through this. What am I doing? I'm trying to protect them from evil at the same time they're being introduced to evil. Satan comes and says, You'll be just like God. You'll understand evil. And you know how you most understand evil? Is by experiencing it. There's a whole bunch of people who, who come up here on Friday night from drug treatment center next door. And they've experienced the dark side of drugs. They understand evil in ways that I never can. And they're sorry that they do. And Satan comes and he wants to introduce us to evil. And then he, it moves on and he... He hits her with, with three things, if you think about it. There's a, there's a scripture you might want to write in the margin. It's 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. I want to read it to you from the King James. I wrote it in my Bible. It says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Lust of the, of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. What's the lust of the flesh? Sex. Overeating, drugs, the feel-goods. What's the lust of the eyes? Covetousness, greed. Oh, what a babe, man. I like to get my hands on that. Or I, I, my neighbor got a new car. I got to get a better one. You know, that whole thing. What's the pride of life? This whole sophistication. I'm, I'm somebody. I'm somebody special. I'm superior to the people around me. And, and she falls for it. It says, the fruit looked so fresh, lust of the eyes. So delicious, lust of the flesh. And it would make her so wise, pride of life. Scripture goes on and says, she ate some of it. And the next thing you see, these people are separating themselves from God. They're fearful of God. 
And that's what happens. When we fall to Satan, we, we end up in his camp, and we become fearful of the very God who loves us. Am I making sense? You know, this whole pride of life thing, this whole sophistication deal that we get all hooked up on. I was uh, in Kailua town the other day driving, and I had my wife in the car, and she's got this cold, and she's asthmatic, and so very susceptible to cigarette smoke. And we were sitting there, we had the windows down, and Three young boys walked across the street in front of us. One was smoking, and I had a—I I, I noticed him because I just immediately had to roll up the windows, and 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 then I, I just took another look at him, and 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 this this could be me when I was you know 16, 17 years old. I didn't dress this way, and I wasn't as far out in this, but I was in other ways. I was trying to do exactly the same thing, and so did you, and so are you tempted with it today. And I see this kid, and he's just trucking across the street, and he's got this this thing, this weed in his mouth, and he just kind of, <sighs> and it was just, it was hilarious. It was so put on, and and yet you you feel compassion because you've been there, and you've put on whatever it is that you put on so that you can look more important than you are, or look like somebody that you're not. You're trying to be sophisticated. We call it cool. We call it wise. We call it, you know, whatever. But it's this whole aura of, of the pride of life. And the, and the guy, his two friends were with him, and, and they weren't smoking either one of them, but they all kind of, they all walked the same way, you know, and they talked with their hands like this, you know. <laughs> and the one guy had had a belt about that wide that had, I couldn't see how the belt loops could go over it. He must have had special kind of pants. It was so wide that it wouldn't go through regular pair of Levi's. And, and it was all metal studs, black belt, and it was hanging down so low that it couldn't be holding anything up. <laughs> and, 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 but then what I noticed was they all had exactly the same little black stocking cap. And I, I started thinking back to when, when I was a kid, and there was this whole deal of, I'm independent, I'm different, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand out, I'm going to be different than, than the, the world around me. Really what I was doing was rebelling against my father's generation. And all of us wore the same uniform. We were all different, exactly alike. <laughs> now it's easy for adults to sit and laugh at people who are 16 years old. It's really wrong. Because we were all 16 years old, and we all did exactly the same thing one way or another. But the truth is, in all of our age and possessions and standing in the community and wisdom and whatever, we all still are tempted to do exactly the same thing one way or another. We try to mark ourselves out, and we try to mark ourselves out in, in every way other than the fact that I'm a person that's a creation of Almighty God, and He loves me, and He cares about me, and I have a family, and they love me, they're devoted to me, I'm devoted to them. I have a calling in my life to serve God by serving people, and this makes me who I am, and I have significance, and when we find significance in any other thing, we're falling to the pride of life. Am I getting anywhere with this? What we're doing is, we're opening a gaping hole for Satan to punch into our lives, and do the ugly things that he wants to do. So often the pride of life leads to you caving to the lust of the eyes or the lust of the flesh. It's when you begin to think yourself something you're not. 
that you start to be, fall prey to the stuff that Satan wants to bring into to destroy you. Liar, thief, killer comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Let's look at one last scripture and we'll go home. It's in the New Testament in the book of James, chapter 4. Page 1990, if your Bible looks like mine. You know, if you're new at this, get a Bible that looks like this, and I'll give you clues. Works. In, in this scripture, in James chapter 4, it tells us to humble ourselves before God. And, and in the verses leading up to it, James talks about us becoming friends with the world. And the, world, the word he uses is the cosmos, the world system, the matrix. Now we cave into the matrix. We cave into the system that's out there. And we, we want to find ways to fit into that. And he says that friendship with the world. Now you have to live in the world. You have to function in the world. You have to have a car and have a nice car and have nice clothes. But you don't have to get yourself wrapped up in that's who I am. And he says that friendship with the world, that marrying yourself to the system causes you to be an enemy of God. And, and then he warns us and he says at the end of verse 6 that God sets himself against the proud because that's really what this whole pride of life deal is, 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 is we become proud and arrogant. But he shows favor to the humble. Verse 7, so humble yourself before God. Psalm 37 is a wonderful scripture. You ought to write that in the margin of your Bible where it says humble yourself before God. Psalm 37 starts out talking about the care and protection of the Lord. It says, uh, fret not. You know, don't worry about things in this world. It says about four times in there, don't worry. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. What do you need? God, God will provide it. What project's going on in your life? Commit your way to him. He'll bring it to pass. But the very last verse of that chapter, the chapter goes on and talks about people who trust in the devil versus people who trust in the Lord and says, those who trust in the Lord will never go hungry. Their kids will never go begging bread. I'll meet their needs. And then at the very end it says that those who, who, who walk after the Lord are protected by the Lord because of this one thing. They take refuge in Him. For me to take refuge in the Lord... I have to humble myself. I have to come to a place where I go, I am not Superman. I'm not even Clark Kent. I don't control this world. He does. And as I yield myself to him, watch what happens. He becomes my safe place of protection, my, my stronghold. It says, humble yourself before God. Now resist the devil and he'll flee from you. When I humble myself before the Lord, I'm in a position to resist the devil. It goes on and says to, to, to cleanse your heart and, and, and get rid of your double-mindedness and get rid of your hypocrisy. Don't try to be half a Christian and half you know, serving the matrix. Verse 10 says, when you bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence on him, he will, what's it say? Read it. What's it say? Lift you up and give you what? You're so enthusiastic. What's it say he'll give you? Honor. Honor. What's the pride of life all about? Honor. I'm trying to take a shortcut to honor. What caused Lucifer to fall from being the chief angel in heaven to being the, the chief person to receive punishment in hell is he took a shortcut to honor. 
the pride of life got a hold. I'm going to become this. When we come to a place where, no, I'm going to yield to the Lord, then we find that what the Lord really is interested in is honoring you. And it's not a counterfeit honor. It's not a substitute honor. It's not a shortcut honor. God wants your life to work out. Everything I can read in the Bible says this. God wants to prosper you in every area of your life. In your relationships, your relationship with your children, your relationship with your parents, your friendships, your love life, your finances, your business, everything that you do. God wants to honor you. He wants to pour his grace out in your life. Satan wants to come and dangle stuff and say, here's the shortcut. Come this way. I'll do this for you. And what happens? Boom. You crash and burn. You humble yourself before the Lord. Now you resist the devil, and he's got to run away from you. And if you humble yourself, God will lift you up, and he'll give you honor. He'll place you in a position of grace and goodness and kindness. Does this make sense? Depending on the Lord is the place where we stand firm against the strategies and tricks of the devils. Depending on myself, self-reliance, is a place where we flame out. It's a place where we think we're doing well for a while and then, and then we crash and burn. Depending on the Lord is the place of security. It's the place of safety. It's the place where we're coming back to Ephesians. We can stand firm against all the strategies and all the tricks of the devil. So I've tried to give you this morning sort of a history of Satan. The character of Satan. The strategies of Satan. But the place of refuge and the place of safety and the place of strength, the tools, the scripture talks about this, the, the sword of the spirit, the word of the Lord. Get that going. Understand. See, that's why I want you marking your Bible so this becomes useful to you. You know this stuff. And we won't find ourselves in a position of going, oh God, why are you doing this to me? We'll understand, no, no, God has a better plan here. I need to run to him and take refuge and this will come to an end. This will pass. Let's pray together. I want you to pray with me. I'm going to pray out loud. You pray out loud. God, I accept your love this morning. I want to walk in your love. I want to walk in your peace. I want to walk in your prosperity. I take refuge in you. I put my trust in you. I put my hope in you. Bless me. Guide me. Take authority over me. Make my life successful. God, give me strength to resist the devil so that he has to run and give me victory. I commit myself to you my allegiance is yours. I will follow you. God, thank you for forgiving my sin, for accepting me, for making me one of your own. Lord, teach me your ways so I can walk in them. Lord, strengthen me and give me victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now keep your eyes closed for a moment. 
and make sure everybody has your eyes closed because I, I, I want to do something just a little different. As we prayed that prayer, it's a very firm declaration of faith for a Christian to pray. It's also a prayer that if you're not a Christian, would be a prayer that says, I put my allegiance with you, Lord. I'm jumping from one camp to another. It's a prayer of opening your heart up to God. And if you just prayed that prayer as that statement, I'm, I want to walk with God and I haven't before, then I want you to, and I just want you to have done something. I'm going to forget this when I walk out to the door this morning, but you're not. And if you've prayed that prayer to invite the Lord into your life, then I want you to tell me that you did so by looking at me. Everybody else has their eyes closed. This is why I got them closed. One guy looking straight up. Who else? You, you, you prayed to invite the Lord into your life. And I see you, ma'am. Who else? You, sir? Good. And back there, two ladies sitting right next to each other. Good. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 